So you did all the right things. You went to school, you got your degree. Yes. You got a job. That's correct. At a Worked very hard. Good, yeah. And then economy done and you get let go. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs had an idea of how life was supposed to go and they worked very hard to get onto that path. And all of a sudden that rug is taken out from underneath them. It was the hardest moments that you're, you're handing people the layoff and they did not want to do it again. When you go in and you smell mold and moisture, when you can smell that inside of somebody's home and they have young kids, how are we allowing this to happen? Hi, everybody. I'm Lena. I'm Shadi. This is our very first podcast. We wanted to take today as an opportunity to kind of give you a little idea about who we are, where we come from, why we do what we do, if we like it or we don't, so that we can get down into the nitty gritty and really share some of the really great experiences that we've had as entrepreneurs and the really important lessons that we've learned um, in hopes that maybe we can give you a nugget or two or three and you don't have to feel some of the pain that we felt in the course of the last 20 years. How does that sound? I think that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. So why are we starting this? What, the podcast? The podcast, of course. I just want to make sure I understand. There could be so many things that that is applying to. Well, I think, at least for me, number one, I think we just have so much fun. And this is just something to break up the day-to-day grind. But also because we have had some very interesting and unique experiences growing our businesses um, as a couple, growing a family together in the midst of all of that. And I think, at least I don't think we're anything special. So I feel like the struggles and the challenges that we face, there are probably people out there who were facing the exact same things that we were dealing with 15 years ago. I don't know, it helped me to know that I wasn't alone. So if I can help somebody else know that they're not alone and maybe give them something (laughs) that will help them get through the fire without burning, I think I'm doing okay. Why are you here? And because I made you is not an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Not an answer. That was not my first one, but I'm, I'm glad that you think it is. Well, for the longest time, we've been talking about that. Yes. Right? And we're talking about this, you know, might as well just put a camera on top of my head and walk around and, you know, see what are we doing, right? Um, but the real reason is a lot of the people have very similar questions and very similar struggles that we've already gone through. So what best way to kind of go through it and create something to basically tell people how we started and where we're going and what's driving us and how we make it fun. So at least they can see that and they can maybe take a piece and do the same thing. Okay, so then I guess to start, maybe we'll give you guys a little bit of information about who we are. Like, who are these random strangers sitting here in front of you talking for no reason? I am a first-generation immigrant from Iran. My parents came here in the very early 80s. Um, For anybody who is familiar with the history out that way, um, you know that that would have been right after the revolution, where the current government 
kind of took over. Um, it was also during the war between Iran and Iraq. So, I mean, very, very unstable environment for a young couple with a very young child um, to be in. So obviously my parents came here. They came alone. It was just the three of us and my mom was expecting my brother. They did not have family here. Um, they didn't speak English. They didn't have friends. They didn't have resources. Um, so for us, that meant we were living in areas in the city of Toronto that were more affordable, um, not necessarily ideal from the perspective of raising children because the environments are a little bit more challenging, to say the least. Um, and, you know, my brother and gr I grew up with two incredibly hardworking individuals who did everything they could to provide us with as normal a childhood as possible. For me, when I look at it as a child, we had a very happy and comfortable childhood. Um, but when I compare my childhood to our daughters, as an example, we didn't have a lot. We had, you know, the basics. Um, we had all of our necessities. And then we had a few little extras here and there, but it was never a lot. So there wasn't a lot of... Um, outside excitement that maybe you see when you look at kids. We didn't go to camp. Um, you know, we didn't do... All the stuff that... Everything our child does, yeah. Yes. What about you? Not much different. Immigrated to Canada with uh, my family, so it's just the four of us. Came to Toronto, settled into Toronto again, um, coming from <clears throat> a place... By the time you, uh, my parents decided to come to Canada to have a better life for us, um, they've decided to basically cut ties completely. So uh, we just basically came with our suitcases. As much money as we had, by the time you converted it, was practically not much. A couple of months worth of rent. Um, just come here. Um, we had a family. Uh, but again, they were trying to help us as much as they can. And we settled to Toronto. I was 16 back then. And um, just started to create a new life. So the decision is just get to university. Um, I had to redo a couple of courses, obviously, because it was not recognized when I came here. Um, and then find a ways to actually make money while I'm trying to get to university. So I had to figure a way very quickly how to, how to fund my own education to be able to to get there and from that it's just basically you get look at how to survive and that, that's what was the critical step that I had to figure out on my own being 16 here totally different environment no friends at the time my parents were in Toronto I got accepted into Hamilton McMaster University so I had to find a place to live I had to pay for rent my parents would not have the ability to to pay that for me so I had to figure that out so I work, um, gone to university and worked. Uh, people always think that, you know, uh, I, I have other businesses on the side that are always interested because my friends always thought that he says, why, why, why am I traveling back and forth all the time? So you go to university, I selective classes and then go and disappear for a day or so, work, come back. And they're always intrigued to us. So what, what am I doing? Uh, but that's that's really how I made it. Uh, work hard and study hard and just get through undergrad. 
So I remember some days um, where I had to go to Toronto. I had to meet with clients. Um, so what I decided to do is to make sure that I have flexible time. I used to work and I used, I used to be a, like a geek, you know what I mean? Maybe you can actually tell everybody out there because they're trying to get to know us what this working back and forth was. So you're in university, right? Okay. Yeah. And generally speaking, at least for the most part, we all, when we were in university, had like, you know, really horrible jobs, whether it was in retail or in a restaurant or all kinds of other unglamorous things that generally didn't pay very much. What were you doing? Like, tell them what you were doing that required you to drive. And where were you driving? I had two jobs. One um, I used to do on Saturday and Sundays. And the other one had a little bit more flexibility. So I'll tell, I know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So Saturday and Sunday, I used to be a busboy. I used to work at Sunset Grill. I think it used to be on Queen Street in the beaches. So you went to university in Hamilton. I went to university in Hamilton. And you came to Toronto. I came to Toronto. On the weekends. On the weekends. To bus tables. To bus tables. That's right. Glamorous. So that's, um, was actually very nice. When I started out, I started out as dishwasher. So I used just to get the dishes from the tables and just put it and clean the dishes and all that. And then you just move yourself up. And so now as promoted, you know. So I used to wait tables and, you know, that's, that was great because back then you just make tips and all that. So that's how you make extra money. So that was Saturday and Sunday. So that's Saturdays and Sundays. You couldn't find work in Hamilton? Well, Toronto is a lot busy, busier and in the beaches, there are more people in there. So it is where the best return on your time is, is the beaches because people like to have breakfast on Saturday and Sunday and... Sunset Grill was one of the places to have breakfast at. It made more sense. So even though you travel for an hour back and forth, it was a lot more lucrative than working in Hamilton because in Hamilton, it's a university town. So you're not making as much there. So then why two jobs? Why two jobs? So the second job is more of a kind of passion job, but it pays, so I loved it. So uh, one of my passions um, is automation and programming. So I got con connected with individuals back in the day. It used to be Bell Canada, before Bell Canada, and were trying to automate some stuff on the back end, and they were approached me. So I was writing scripts and stuff in the background for them to be able to automate things for them as they were growing. Now, we're talking about years back, so it did not have all the... AI and all stuff that we have today. So do you remember when we first met and you told me that you spent a lot of time tutoring the guys that you were in school with and, you know, you spent hours teaching them Java and I thought you were talking about coffee? Yes. Okay. So there might be other people here who also would think things like scripts are things that you write for like television shows and videos? It's not a show script, it's a script, it's a programming script. So it is lines that tell the computer what to do. Okay, so you sat and played with computers. To the computer. For fun. Yes. While studying engineering. While studying engineering. I was, I was the only, so one of the things that we've done back then, I was the only place 
I always lived off campus. I, I don't like to live on campus just because I like flexibility and, you know, people are monitoring when I'm going to class and not. So at residence, that's correct. I, don't know. I lived at home. So living I never left. Home, I've also had internet. So a lot of my friends always come to my place to, you know, back in the day. Oh, you just said I had them. internet like this was a big flex. It, so. <laughs> so that's how old he is. I'm very old. That having internet in university was like... Emails did not exist when I started university. Facebook didn't exist when we started our businesses. Exactly. So I'm aging myself, you know, a long time ago. It's okay. But yeah, so really is trying to make ends meet, Right and find a passion project to do because that is what kind of made me push through this. One, to create money as much as you can fast quickly, which is Saturday and Sunday. During the week, I needed flexibility because I needed to go to class, exams and all of that. So when I had the time, you just basically write programs, they send me the requirements, write the programs, and then you go sometimes to meet with a client and you present it, you test it with them and all that, and they ask for additional stuff. So that's the extra stuff that makes you a little bit more money, but that's just fun. For you. It is for me, yes, Man. because I used Sit to- Sit me in I front of a to... computer for that many hours, oh. See, I, so when everybody goes to sleep, I'm usually up programming at night. My friends that shared the rooms with me thought I'm just crazy, like who is this guy programmed? I'm sitting here looking at you thinking, how? <laughs> you don't know that side of me. Oh, I mean, I knew. Like, I knew, obviously. We've been together long enough that I know that this is your... We but every time I hear it, I think to myself, how did this, like, super smart and super, like, geeky... I'll tell you one thing. See? <laughs> Man, somehow spark the interests of, like, this free, spirited, no kind of. Because I get bored easy. So I just come up with ideas. And I think you got excited with some of the ideas I had. It's just, you know, I just think, you know, this is where we're going to go. So, so that's how this whole thing started. How young were you when you first decided that you were going to be your own creator of your own universe type? business owner, whatever it would be. Maybe not necessarily a business owner. I don't know. I, ne I never thought I would be a business owner. Ever? Ever. Really? Um, look, back in the day, usually where we come from, we come from Egypt, right? So back, it's either you're an engineer or a doctor. Now, when an engineer and a doctor, you're working for somebody. Like back where I come from, you're always either working in the hospital or working for a big, large firm. That's how you make your money and you retire and that's it. So that is the mentality you come from. So when I go to university, what, I was, what am I doing? Engineering. Then what sparks me as of interesting is, wait a minute, finance is something is very interesting because that is all how a machine would run is money. So I decided to take the other degree, which is finance, right? So it's engineer because it's kind of almost programmed that you're an engineer or or yeah, physician, right? But I did not like that side. I just like math and physics. So I said, okay, well, I'm going engineering. Only then when you start kind of understanding business, because that's some of the courses that I took in university, 
you understand businesses and this is what starts intriguing me. It's like, wait a minute, I can have a good idea. And as long as I know how to take that idea and market it, then you can make a business out of it. And once you have that and sell it, this is where the money is. So that's really kind of evolution of my thought process. But in the beginning, it was just for me is a hobby to program and I was just doing it and you just get paid for it. But that's really not a business because the minute I stop programming, the money's not there. So that's the that's definition of non-business. It is another job that you have. Interesting. Yeah. I knew from the time I was 12 that I was not suited to work for other people. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. I knew. You should have told me this nugget. I'm pretty sure that I did. I don't think you were listening. I don't think you were very interested in what I had to say because you had your own goals. But I always knew because, again, it was one of those, you've got to be a doctor, you've got to be these things. And it was like, no, yeah. never. And I tried to find, you know, careers that kind of met these like conditions expectations okay but i knew i knew that i had to be in control i can't say that i knew because i didn't know what it was but i knew that i couldn't like have a job where somebody was telling me that i had to come to work and i had to do this and i had to do that so i was like i'll be a lawyer set my own hours do my own thing and then it was like oh but then you know i have to take money from criminals and i don't want to do that because i don't think that feels good and the other kinds of law seem really boring so let's Forget about that. I was an athlete my entire life. So I thought, okay, why not go into sports injury, right? I can be a sports injury therapist. I would have my own clinic. It was always my own thing. Like I'm gonna have my own clinic. I'm gonna do my own thing. Um, and then while I was studying, I was like, let me get personal training certification. Let me get nutrition certification. Cause what if that doesn't work out? I can open up my own gym. And it was always kind of this mentality of, I need to do my own thing because I knew that, I don't know, I'm a lot. <laughs> I'm a lot to kind of try and contain and I don't do well being contained. I think you've been learning that over the course of the last 20 years. Just keep um, you engaged. Yeah. Contained. So I'm very surprised that like you didn't have a very... Yeah. Fascinating. No, it's an evolve. It's an evolution. Fascinating. Yes. But the more I enjoy the more you just kind of like, it is very systematic how I started. This is very systematic. It's just you look at it, this so, is what happens. So you just do this. Okay. So we've established you're an engineer. We've established that I'm like definitely not. The opposite. We both come from very, very, very hardworking families. That's right. We both have parents who gave up their entire lives in order for us to have opportunities that they didn't have yeah, or opportunities common. that were taken away. Different challenges, but bottom line, same thing is regardless of how you cut it, regardless of the country that our parents were in, both sides were limited in how far they would be able to progress as individuals because of very ridiculous things. And as such, pulled their children out and brought us here. Yeah, so, they are offering an opportunity for children. So Excellent. parents intend is to So now let's talk about how a, these children a... found one another. Oi. Come on. Seriously. So we're here, right? You go to McMaster. You're an engineer. Yes. He's also way older than I am in case it doesn't show. There's like a seven year age gap here. And when we met, how old were you and how well, old maybe was you should I? Tell seven year which way? Oh, no. 
So it's funny because when we first started dating, um, we would go out and I would order like a sangria and he would order a beer and they would card him and they wouldn't card me and I'd get so And you get upset. Mad. I don't know why you get upset. Because I was 21 years old. You were almost 30. They should not be carding me. They should be carding you. That's okay. Oh, man. So we met. I was 21. Yep. You were 28. And somehow our paths collided. How did it happen? Let's tell them. From my perspective. Yeah, yeah. Yours first. Yours is funny. And then I'll tell the truth. 2004. Wow. Okay. So roll back. 2004. So I guess let, let, let's preface that. So after I finished university, I was gone straight from university to work in engineering. Right? In Ottawa. In Ottawa. That's correct. <clears throat> so I've worked in Ottawa for X amount of years from graduation. Um, and then the high tech collapse came in. Because you were doing what? Um, I was in the high tech, um, back in the day, it used to be called JDS Vitel. And, uh, we used to basically create, um, switches, but these are optical switches. Not light switches. Not light switches. I asked this question. That's right. Optical switches. Effectively, what you're trying to do is route signals on fiber rather than wire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna, don't worry. We don't want to. No, we don't. No, we uh, can do a whole, we can hold, if everybody wants to hear more about it. Okay, fine. We'll leave that alone. All right, fine. Anyways, so high tech collapse. Um, nobody's ordering what we designed. Uh, we're basically shrinking dramatically. Um, and then um, the department that I was um, responsible for uh, completely uh, closed down. So basically i was the last person there packed things up put things in place and turn off the lights and left so, you got laid off if you can put it though yes so you did all the right things you went to school you got your degree yes you got a job that's correct worked very hard good. yeah and then they got let you promoted go. several times during that period and then economy done and you get let go so so now you're unemployed. So yeah, so I'm un un unemployed. Highly um, educated. Nobody in Ottawa. Obviously, I was the only person in Ottawa, family still in Toronto and all that because that's where they were. They said, well, you know what? Thank you. Goodbye. Um, packed my bags, put my stuff in storage and knocked on my parents' door. I says, hey, I'm back. I need to figure things out because, by the way, what? I was told that, you know, get a degree, work hard, um, and the employer will take care of you. Um, doesn't work in Canada. Maybe it works back home, but it's some, something doesn't mesh, doesn't work. So anyways, so came back home, um, and really spent day and night, literally just trying to figure life. When you have information and you look at the information and the outcome is different, it's okay. Something is wrong. And you're trying to figure out what's wrong, what piece of the information that you have in your mind is wrong. So that is what I've done. So gone back to basically, okay, let's research everything from the bottom up. So I've done that. And really my goal, goal was, okay, I got X amount of dollars. Um, I have X amount of expenses. And it says, okay, what can I do to sustain that 
so I don't have to be forced to do or make decisions, right? And rather take the time to make the right decisions. So that was my goal. Just So then would this have been the point where you decided you, sh you shall no longer be employed by other humans? That is the point where I said, I says, okay, the idea of getting a degree, the idea of working hard and being a good employee, right? You're still not in control. Somebody else is deciding for you. And that alone is what made me decide. I says, okay, I need to be in control. And being in control, basically to me, in my mind, translates to being the business owner. So come up with something that I control and I control the destination of it. And if I do that, then the CEO of the other company does not need to decide for me. He says, oh, well, I cannot, I don't have money to pay you because the clients are not paying me. So I just need to turn things around. So had you never been laid off, you would have continued to be an employee and you probably would never have started a business or wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, yes. Uh, I feel like, like that's how a lot of yes, entrepreneurs start, though. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs go into that path because they had an idea of how life was supposed to go and they worked very hard to get onto that path and to thrive on that path. And all of a sudden, that rug is taken out from underneath them. I remember you telling me about the struggles of just being able to find employment after being laid off because that's a different discussion the industries like, you know, that you're in are not hiring which is why you got laid off because your industry is currently suffering so there are not jobs in that industry and then other people don't want to hire because you're overeducated you're too smart you're overqualified you have too much experience and you're stuck in a bubble that is not fun no um, yeah. so what did you do what did i do in order to like, you know, get well, yourselves up. One, one of the things that I've done is um, because I was spending way too much time in front of the computer and researching everything, I just wanted time away from the screen and just clear my head. So I decided one day to say, okay, let me go and just kind of do uh, some exercise just to kind of get, get out of that mode of staying home and research only. And... I Googled at the time. It says, okay, what is the... There was Google. Google starting back then. Okay, yes, there's Google, hence the collapse. So they, they have not really picked up to, to create the demand yet. And this uh, gym uh, came up and was close by. So I said, okay, we're well, just going to go to that gym and just, you know, go in, sign up for whatever basic membership is and just go do workout, uh, kind of clear my mind as... I'm, I'm going through all that. Surprise. Guess who sold him the membership? Yeah. And I, I remember that. It just double doors. You just walk in. I think it was in December. I think January. January. Okay. Oh, Jan yeah. December. The January rush. New Year's resolutions. I had Business no resolution. Time. So I said, I need to kind of clear my mind. I've been spending way too much time. I still time. don't believe you. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a New Year resolution person. Okay. That's not. Anyways, um, so yeah, I remember is just opening the door, walking in there. The gym is empty. It's like, what the hell is the kind of gym that's empty? Um, and all I see is three people behind the counter. It's like, 
good God, like they're, they're, they already hired too many people. That, that's what's going through my mind as I'm walking, opening the door. It's like, what the hell? They're hiring too many people. It's already going to be expensive just to employ so these judgy. people. Of course, because now, you know, business, it's, it's all about P&L. You know, why, oh, why no, it's three not. people it's, not doing I don't have anything? a job and I've got a budget. Business is not efficient. They pass on the cost to the client. So that is what all going through my mind as I'm walking. It's just a very quick thought here. It's like, oh my God, and I'm going to pay too much. Finance anyway, degree. so you walk in there. He says, he says, okay, I got three people. I don't know who to talk to. So he says, hey, which one of you ladies would help me with membership? And my lucky day, she raised her hand, say, come with me. He's like, oh boy. Uh, let's, see. <laughs> let's see what's going on. What sales pitch? And we pitched that. Ah, uh, but did you get a sales pitch? Absolutely not. No. I just said, here is this, here is that. Whatever you want. like, what, what kind of sales is person that very who good hired that person. person a very good salesperson so what going through my mind says like oh my god who is where is the sales manager i should tell her I says this is not a good person to keep in a gym because you did ask for work. my manager didn't you i did ask for your manager that's correct what was the, the answer that you're the manager and i said god <laughs> help us all if you're the sales manager it's like my god this gym is doomed but we weren't. I understand. You bought a membership. I did buy a membership. <laughs> you came back every day. <laughs> I did. Well, you know, you make it worth it. You know, you pay for the membership. Fine. You know, and that was my intent to come every day to work out just to kind of make sure that, you know, good salesperson. I read you. Yes. I oh, understand. I knew. You and know then what? I got you. Oh, yeah. I guess you can say that. So we did not like each other at all when we first met because of this initial interaction. I thought that he was very, the way that he came into the gym. Which of you ladies is gonna help me with a membership today? I thought, oh, okay. Well, let me, please, please let me. When I and usually walk in, you usually have one person talk to. I have like three people, so okay, which one? You had a receptionist because, you know, when I leave to go and take you on so to a tour, be. then who's gonna man the desk and answer the phone? Okay. I still don't understand why three people behind the desk. Because we were bored. Thank you so much. Okay, please Otherwise, continue. I should have been in my office. Maybe maybe you had work to do? What work? Exactly. Okay, please continue. I'm waiting for people to come in so I can do my job. But the point is, I didn't like him. I thought he had an attitude problem. He didn't like me. He thought I had an attitude problem. You're not a customer-oriented person. I'm a very. I know exactly how to read my customers to close my sale. Thank you very much. Uh -huh. eh. I know you. I still... was closed anyways. I wanted the membership, but I just did not care. But it would have been nice to me, nice to the potential client. That is nice. No, I'll go there. This is where the change. Or if you go here, you do this. Like, what is this? Can you just show me around? I, I took you. And I said, this is where the weights are. I mean, it's self-explanatory. It's a gym. And if you don't know what you're looking at, but I'm not sure you're so, in the right spot. Exactly. Like, so maybe <laughs> some of your clients are have never walked into the gym. But I can tell those kinds of people. And those kinds of people got wonderful tours. I was one of them. No, you weren't. I've never walked into the gym before oh. then. So we didn't like each other. I'm the type of person where if I don't like you, I just, I don't like you and that's okay. No big deal. And if you don't like me, that's okay too. No big deal. Cause not everybody meshes. 
You, my darling, on the other hand, if somebody does not like Shetty, Shetty needs to show this person why Shetty is a great person and there should not be any kind of frictions and problems and things like this. That's correct. I'm a very kind person, so I shouldn't. So I signed you up for your membership. And then you asked for personal training information, which I wouldn't give you because I was not the personal training manager. Yes. We brought the personal training manager in. And he decided at that point that we had to be together. I did not know that. I know. I didn't tell you that until well after. So what ended up happening in this magical moment in January is Shetty decided that there was clearly something wrong with me and I misunderstood. So he had to fix that misunderstanding. Our personal training manager decided that we had to become a couple because like, the energy was just off the charts. And I just wanted to sit and do what I need to do and have everybody leave me alone because, you know, I'm not interested. So Abdul, your trainer, started training you like every day, every day you would to, go in for an hour. Yeah, he was willing to train me as much as I wanted. Yeah. And to me, it's like, great, like you can train me. That's exactly what I want because I did not understand the gym. Like, Yep. Give me to me is give me the shortcut. Yeah. I don't want to go try all these weights. I just tell like what do I need to do? Just do it and get the results. So So he would kick your butt and then you would come nearly passed out and sit in a chair. Yeah. In front of the to. open door of my office. Yes, I had to because I was driving a, a manual car, which I need to use both legs, right? And my legs were wobbling. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally just exhausts me exhaust my muscles that the first chair I just walk in I just lob on to just recover and I then you the, needed to have conversations too wait because you're sitting there like your office is there so like to be nice not unlike you not nice to me I'm nice so I said hey hi nice meeting you remember me you got my money I'm training sure <laughs> so that's that's you got a membership for your money that's right so, and here we are. Yes. So, yeah. So, that gone on for a while. Yeah. Work out, walk in. I had to sit down to recover for at least five, ten minutes. Yep. Depending on the day. Yep. And then you started to be nice to me. And I brought you a bag of Epsom salts. I did not understand. So, he says, geez, she says, you should start, use Epsom salts. Like, what the hell? So, like. Yeah. What is what's Epsom, Epsom salt? salt? What do you mean? What's Epsom salt? Put it in the bath. So, it helps the muscles. Oh, okay. So I brought him a bag the next day. And then I started sharing my secret stash of chocolates. And then we just got more talking. And then I think the first time that I asked him to go out was uh, Valentine's, right? I don't do Valentine's Day. It's not my thing. I don't believe in it. So it was deliberate. Sure. That I asked because, yes, you told me that you don't like Valentine's and all that. It's like, come on, like... Like, even though it's a day that you don't like, you just go out and party. You just don't have to praise the day. You just enjoy it. But it's so unnecessarily expensive and, like, everything is fixed and you can't make your own choices and I have to eat what you tell me I can eat. And I didn't like it. So my goal really was to just kind of get you out of the bubble that you created for yourself because you, yourself, were working 12-hour days in the gym and you had really no life outside of that. And I started to ask you about what is your vision outside of that? Do you remember that? Yeah. 
Okay. That's so that's so weird. Yeah. So I started asking, so what, what are you trying to do? And really the intention is in the background, the more I've read about what's out there is all about business. It's all about what it takes to do a business and really is the three divisions in the business and the basics. And what they stressed about that as part of what I read is the sales side of things. And as I got to know her, I was like, hey, she's good at sales. Even though she puts a front, it just, you know, she switches. It's like a chameleon. It's you effective. Know? Exactly. So I said, hey, what better way to get to know you? And if you're the right fit, then you're going to be part of the formula and the business I'm creating in the background. So that's really oh, the man. intent of what was going on in the background and just get to know you personally. So that's when we said, okay, you know, come up. My friends are coming over from Ottawa and we're partying and that is the day. So come out with one of your friends and let's go for a night out. And 20 years later, here we are. The rest is history. So do you remember the first time we had a conversation about starting a business? I, um, I remember asking you whether you want to work and then kind of evolved into starting a business. Right? I started taking you. I said, look, I'm starting a real estate investment business. I was 21. I had no idea what he was talking about. That's, yeah. I thought he was a little crazy. But what? We're going out and we're exploring all these little towns that yep. I've never heard of and That's never right. been to. So. so the fun part is is the property I was looking at. There's All of them were outside Toronto because I had a budget and certain return on investments that I was looking for. And every single property was outside of the GTA. So I always come to her and says, look, I found these properties. They're in this town. She says, I don't know this town. It's like, wow, like you haven't left Toronto or something? Like, I don't understand. Why? Why leave? Exactly. Maybe it is right here. Why? So, and it, it kind of became an educational, you know, let's go for a road trip to see that town. Right. And part of the fun I had was to see just to drive and see your reaction, just seeing the town, seeing different houses, seeing stuff like that. So that was the fun part that, uh, that I had. It's like, okay, we're going to this town. Well into. That's right. Like what? It's a beautiful small city. Come take a look. Chatham. Chatham. That's right. What is Chatham? Hamilton. You knew Hamilton, but you've never been Hamilton. Right? Yeah. Well, That's I applied to Mac. So That's I right. knew Hamilton. I'd never been to Hamilton. So we took you around Hamilton, right? Remember the uh, some of the the properties that we went, the triplexes and the sixplexes that we looked at. Oh, I remember a smell. <laughs> smell never. You can never get that smell out of your nose. Once you smelt neglect, I don't know what else to call it. So she smelled neglect. I smelled money. Because it's just all about opportunity and creating opportunity. So more neglect a property was, to me, is the more money that you can make. So that, that took a while to understand that that is really the formula that I came about. And that is how this business runs. Yeah, sure. But I think that also, like when we look at, like if I look at why I agreed to work with this random stranger who walked into this gym, who I don't really like to begin with, because I think there's something wrong with him. There must be. But 
the more that you talked to me about what it was that you were doing, right? Like, oh, people can actually buy apartment buildings, like normal people, people who don't come from money, people who don't have money, people who have never owned an apartment, they can do these kinds of things. And then I don't know for you what it was like when you guys had first come to Canada, but I know for us, like where we were growing up, my dad spent a substantial amount of time renovating the apartments we moved into before my mom, my brother and I fully moved in from where we were to where we were going. And it was because they were not always cared for. I didn't understand that then, obviously, because the homes that we had were quite nice, right? My dad refinished all the flooring. It was always freshly painted. And all I knew was that the kids that were my friends who lived in the apartment building with us, we didn't have the same kind of apartments. Like my apartment always seemed so much nicer than their apartment did. My floors were always such a different color or they were cleaner or they were shinier the parquet wasn't coming apart and then when I started going through these places with you I realized this is like a serious like this is an ongoing problem this is not just like me and where I grew up and you know the fact that we were in you know the not best parts of Toronto like anywhere that you go it's negligence it's people who just don't care and I think that's when we both had had a discussion about creating change not just I know you love to talk about the dollars and the cents and I know that you love to talk about P&Ls and you know your return and how hard your money's working but at the end of the day like the reason we got into the businesses that we got into is because we wanted to make a difference however small it could be in the lives of people whom we viewed to be similar to our parents people who are hardworking, people who are doing the best that they can to create a life and an opportunity for their children. And we wanted to be the people who treated them like they mattered because I don't know about you, but I watched people treat my parents like they didn't matter. And it bothered me and it sat with me. And to this day, it sits with me because it doesn't matter, you know, from my world, what you have or what you don't have. Like good people are good people and everybody should be treated that way. And I thought this is now an option. Like when you go in and you smell what I know now to be mold and moisture and, you know, just poor air quality. Like when you can smell that inside of somebody's home and they have young kids, you know, their walls are dirty and their floors are damaged. It's, I don't know. It like, I mean, unless you're completely immune to it as a general whole. It makes you feel gross. Like, how are we allowing this to happen, right? Yeah. And I think, at least for me, I came into this with this idealistic world of, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to change and we're going to do things. And we did. Every property that we took over, we took from that disaster into really beautiful, clean places for the first, what, five years, our tenants lived better than we did. Our first apartment, do you remember that apartment? Oh my God. We made the decision in the beginning that we were going to build a portfolio, a real estate portfolio. Um, and we had to decide. We were either going to be able to buy a home for us to live in as a married couple, or we were going to purchase investment real estate with the hopes that those returns would allow us to then purchase our first home. So we rented an apartment that had the ugliest pink carpets 
oh my god you remember the wall-to-wall pink carpeting and then our bathroom was like from the 70s with a green tub and little green mosaic tiles and we started renovating all of these apartments and i remember one day coming home and talking to him and being like why is it that our tenants live in better conditions than we do their houses are clean everything's modern everything's done like we need to do something about this this is very discouraging like i'm working so hard and i live like this like we need to do something but you agree that the reason we've done that is the vision and the vision had to be much greater than the dollars and cents and then that that's exactly it to me is when i talk about dollars and cents it is a um an easy way to make sure that emotion does not come in making the right decisions. But ultimately, it is driven by the vision that we have and what we've seen and the conditions of properties that we've seen. And the goal was always to be is make it look nice, make it clean and make it safe. And that's every property that we walk in, our spreadsheet translates that into it. So that's Really, in the end, is when we're buying something, that is the vision. Uh, And that vision is large enough that it did not stop us even when we had hard times. Oh. Right? Let's talk about this vision. So, you got laid off. Yeah. You decided, I need to be in control. I'm not going to let somebody else decide whether I'm going to eat tomorrow or not. Mm -hmm. So, that translated for you into opening a business. The businesses that we're in now, were those your first thought? No. Okay. So what was your first thought? Like instinctually when you decided that this is the time for a shift, what was your instinctual focus? Like where do I go? So I took it from the problem solving. So like engineering instincts kicks it. And he says, okay, what is the problem? Okay. And what are the parameters to solve that problem? So my parameters were there is X amount of dollars in the bank. There's X amount of dollars coming out of the bank account to cover my expenses. And I have X amount of period to make, make that from red to, to green or even black first. And I started looking at different businesses. I started looking, gone to a lot of the trade shows. I've gone to Las Vegas to some of the trade shows. I was looking at ideas and businesses to be able to say, okay, X amount of dollars, what fits the parameters and how fast that can money make me. So these would be like expenses. franchised so a lot businesses. Of, yeah. So the, the first thing that I've looked at is, is, okay, I don't have a model. So the first thing you look at is, is what model makes money? And he says, okay. These are the businesses and I've created a spreadsheet and you write down and says, okay, business, how much money, the return on investment. And you start looking at a much larger picture of the different businesses out there. Because at the time, look, I'm coming from an engineering background with an education on finance and business and all of that. But that education says, great. What is the business to run it? Restaurants. Tim Hortons, your Tim Hortons, your your McDonald's, your all the franchises. So I listed all of them out. Gone to the trade show, pulled all the information, put all the requirements on a spreadsheet, start looking at what's needed. And then and that was to me is, is okay, that doesn't make sense. 
Why? Because the investment required was much greater than what I, I had in the bank. Okay. And the time to pay out is much longer. What do you mean? So they needed, so a lot of the franchises, especially with the restaurants and, and food, uh, fast food restaurants, require you as an owner to spend and invest your own time in there for sometimes a month in there, working in there. To me, that, that, that was not appealing. I don't want to be working. Like, I understand what it needs and why they need it. And yes, it works. The owner has to understand every step to be able to hire the right team. That's not a problem, but that was not me. On top of that, the money needed was not something that I had in the bag to be able to put in it. So the length of time, what is needed and all that, it just did not match. So franchise was a no-go because it required more capital than you had or you were willing to invest. Yep. It required more of your time that you were not willing to put in there. And it had a delayed return, return on. on your initial investment. That's correct. So you scrapped that. Yep. So then what? Then there were trade shows in Las Vegas. So I've gone to Las Vegas and start looking in the different businesses out there and start looking at, again, they had totally different models, um, stuff coming out of Germany and all that, which is- Still franchises? Franchise, yes, franchise. Open. So it's always focused on franchise, but when I was going, gone to Las Vegas to look at those franchises were not food-based industries where other services and all that and one of the things i was looking at back then was the drive-through dry cleaners so that which is a great concept and it, it really one of the things i liked is it's all about you know not using the bleach not using the chemicals so to me is you know you're you're not using harsh chemicals that you're still going to put on your body so i said okay that's a great concept it's not in canada let me bring it into canada Right, and that model actually the numbers on it made sense. So what happened? So what happened is it would because it was one off a kind and it was not in Canada. I had to go to a whole process to get approval from Health Canada and and all other bodies to be able to get that in there, and that exhausted a lot of time and it needed more input of money that I was not planning. So that was scrapped. Actually, after. We, we had a huge discussion and we found a place to to have um, that franchise. It would be have been one of the first drive-through, green, clean, which is you find now, but it was way too ahead of its time when I was looking at it back then. How did you go from franchises into, because when you came into the gym, you already knew that you were going into real estate. Yep. You were going to be the next Donald Trump. And you were going to have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate. And that is all that you were going to do. You already knew it. Yep. So how did you get there between, because yep. you weren't unemployed for a long period of time between when you moved back to Toronto and decided my- that you're going to go into this new business and then walked into this gym and got, you know, tricked. Yeah. I little old me. Yes. So the decisions I made, I made very quickly. Um, so it is, okay, get laid off. Okay, thank you so much. I'm out of here. Reduce expenses. I need to preserve as much money that I had in the account 
because I'm not going to be forced into going back as an employee again. That that decision was made the minute I was told, this is okay, I don't have money to pay you and the products are not being sold, so let's let's close this division now. So when you look at it, 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 it was almost traumatic, to be honest with you, just seeing loads of people being put in a bus and being laid off, like very hardworking people and all you need is they're being escorted oh, from, I know. from there. Loads and loads, bus loads. I heard the stories when and I moved. We've made the news for that because we were the largest employer in Ottawa, right? We grew very quickly. But at the same time, it was the hardest moments that you're, you're handing people the layoff. And they did not want to do it again. Every decision that I make is to make sure people that are working are being rewarded without laid off. And um, look, I understand that, you know, you take the opportunity to grow. That, that's great. But really, I've, I've never thought it would be the hardest part of my career is to lay off so many people when it came to me it's just like you become immune to it so like yeah yeah i know it's like i'm getting the piece of paper it's fine i, I did not care what i cared about handing those to others um that by itself is is not something that i want to experience again and for me i had to take control of that so i don't i'm not i'm not told that this is what you need to do this is here is a hundred to get rid of. And I definitely lost my train of stuff. Oh, wow. I had never seen this before. So I'm okay with that. I take your time. Take you did not expect any of that. That is so interesting. I did not expect that either. I've never seen that. Okay, I'm just going to grab some water and then we're going to continue. Shady Jurgis, you've been holding out on me. Okay, you decided franchising, not so much too much capital you weren't willing or you didn't have too much of your time you weren't willing and you wanted to create an environment that obviously is you know safe for the people who are working there is not going to cause you to be in a position where you know you're going to have to let people down and whatnot and I'm sure in a franchise situation or restaurant situation these are things that could occur so how did you get there? How did you go from these are the types of businesses? Because I didn't even know you were allowed to buy an apartment building. I thought you had to be like some sort of a special person with like magic abilities and like permission from like the secret people of the government to be able to do something like that. I didn't even think that like normal humans were allowed to participate in that. So, so how? So I started to exhaust a lot of the normal business opportunities, which is franchising and all that. <clears throat> and again, with the U.S. and bringing some of the services in, also franchise um, stopped. So I started to look what I call outside the box. What else? What else that the norm don't know that you can create a business on? Because I was a firm believer there is something that you can make. And then I started to look into 
it actually came about, started with an ad talking about, you know, how to buy real estate with zero down payment. And um, that intrigued me. It's like zero down payment. Wait a minute. Like I was already willing to use some of the capital I saved to put it in a business. So if somebody's saying I can buy real estate with no money down, well, okay, they, they got my ear. Let's let's look at it. So I start researching that and then I started to put the same exact things. Says, okay, um, how to make a business out of real estate? Okay, apartment building. We lived in an apartment building. So I know it's okay. I pay money, somebody owns it, there's money out of it. And then it starts opening my eye and says, okay, this is a business. Let's put the numbers in the spreadsheet. And my jaw dropped when you start to look at the numbers in real estate versus a franchise. And it's just like, like, wow. So we've established now no money. Yep. No money down can buy your real estate. Great return on investment. The, the rules of real estate is much easier to follow than a franchise. And it doesn't require your time. And you can delegate and get the same results. And then, you know, you're, we'll see your ROI almost immediately. Yep. Okay. So I have a question. Of those four wonderful points that had you going into this business, once we got into this business, how many of those proved to be true? <laughs> all with variables. Lies. They were all wrong. It's not wrong. They required so much work. They require so much work. Of course. So things we learned. Okay. So this man walks into this gym. I have no idea who he is. Starts talking about this business he wants to go into. I think he's insane. Because in my world, A lot normal of people. people, normal people who don't do drugs and they don't drink, don't think like this because it's not possible. Because you're taught in that environment, it's unattainable. So you will not think about it. Whatever that might be. Yeah. But for me, I was young. I lived at home. I had no responsibilities, so why not jump on the crazy train? What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? <laughs> it's not like I'm losing money and my time is like whatever. Didn't really matter. So we got onto the crazy train and, you know, the train moved and we bought our first property. We had negotiated a zero down deal. So we had a mortgage from the bank lined up. We had a private mortgage to cover the balance lined up. So that meant no money coming out of our pocket to close, which so meant- So back in the day, that was a VTB, that what we call it, right? Still call it a VTB. Yeah. VTBs. Well, VTBs, they're coming back because of the economy, but it's for a while, nobody heard of VTB because the economy was hot. So VTB is usually something that comes about when the economy is slow. So we, you know, created this no money down. So we created this deal. We found a property that was distressed, which meant that we were able to add value by doing the repairs and just creating clean, livable spaces. Like the spaces weren't even livable. And because we didn't need a down payment, now we had money to do those renovations right away. So we could actually increase the value of the property right away. We would be able to increase the income right away. Everything on paper was phenomenal. It was perfect. It's, it was. Yeah. It was a dream. Yeah. And then it's one of those things that actually where people were allowed. We created that deal where on closing, the lawyer was giving us a check with the money rather than we putting money in. Yes, that was the dream. Right? It was. Uh, in 
And then 12 o'clock hit. Yep. <laughs> and we got a phone call from our lawyer. And what did it say? Shadi, this is so-and-so. We have a problem. Call Mom, me back. It was a voicemail. It wasn't that, a phone call. That's correct because I was, I was busy. <laughs> so I hear this. I look at the clock. It's 12 o'clock. You're closing on the property. And your lawyer is leaving a message saying you have a problem. <laughs> this is not something that you want to hear on closing. Anyways, you call him back, or I call him back and says, hey, what's going on? Uh, he says, well, you do not have money, or your second, your second mortgage walked away. W what does that mean, walked away? He says, that means that you don't have money to complete a transaction. Yep. I said, okay. So I said, so what are my options? And he says, two options. Says one, find the money to close. Yep. And then after you close, you just basically go and sue the second mortgage because they have not fulfilled their conditions. Two, don't close. And then you would be at a position where you are getting sued. Yep. Um, and I said, great. That, that's awesome. This is my first deal. And then either I'm getting sued or I'm suing somebody. That's, that's fantastic. I said, okay. I said, and I said, okay, if it was you, which one is better to be in? It says, never, ever be in a defendant yeah. side. And I said, oh, that's awesome. So I said, okay. So he says, you always have, when it comes back again to what my model is, be in control, it's the same thing for him. He says, you got to be in control. If you are on a defendant side, you're not in control. He says, so find the money. We need to close. And then we're going to go sue if that is what we want to do. Um, and then you're in, in a better place. So I said, okay. And that is when we started to scramble and come up with the money for the down payment and all of that. Um, so... It came from us on closing, getting cash, plus the cash that we had to renovate, to basically taking all the cash that we had, throwing it in there to basically close that gap. And we had so now we, yeah. zero in the bank, right? We were like negative in the bank. You had to pull from like credit, yeah, some I, lines I of credit. Or, we were negative in the hole. So zero down payment, scratched, did not exist. Well, it did exist. Yes, one went out, one left. The, the puzzle. You're an engineer. So in theory, like every good engineer is able to work out. In theory, it works. And then they build and design it and it fails. It does not fail. That's why you have the plus or minus in there, just in case. So we're plus or minus $50,000. plus or minus $50,000. <laughs> okay, we'll come up Great. with the $50,000. So fantastic. Now we joke about it. $50,000. It's oh, like, oh my then, God, where, where the hell am I going to get that money from? It was scary. So, but we did it. At that point, we had not yet even been engaged. Like we were not even engaged. And what? It was, it was your sweat. The deal that we had was your sweat equity. Yep. Right. Versus my own money. Right to so my it's basically my credit, my money is yep. going in there. I need her to. I dealt with the real estate agents. I dealt with negotiating of the terms of the contracts and all of those things. And then he obtained the mortgages. 
So I dealt with all of the like the front end of it. He dealt with all the administrative end of it. And then when we closed, the deal was that I would deal with the day to day management of it. And then he would just kind of do his own thing. Now, he also had to go back to work because something we learned very quickly was in order to get a mortgage, even if you have a zero down payment deal, you need a job. Yeah. The banks do not like giving you money if you're not employed. Especially if it's a small property. Yeah. Now, if you go spring to the larger properties, that's a different discussion. We didn't but know that at the, the time. point. Yep. We were not comfortable. So well, I was not comfortable to go to the commercial side. At this point, we've been together maybe a year. Yep. Right? We had incorporated because a corporation owns our properties, not us personally. So we had incorporated our businesses together. That is the legal advice that we had. My mom thought you were completely insane. Like, what is this man thinking? He doesn't know you. You are a child. Like, something's not right. And then... Yeah, we incorporated. Yep. Then you moved back to Ottawa because you needed employment. That's correct. So part of the... Of this, you look at it, it says, oh, it's much easier to get mortgages when you're employed. At the same time, my old employer calls me back saying, hey, the project I was working on is back online. Yeah. We need you because you have the background in the sales and the technical. So I was filling two hats at one yeah. and they were willing to, to hire me back. So I said, okay, I'll take it because that is where. So now he lives in Ottawa. I live in Toronto. We're negotiating properties that are like everywhere that isn't Ottawa and isn't Toronto. In Hamilton, in Welland, in Chatham, in Cornwall, Smith Falls, like all the little tiny pockets all around, you know, the Ottawa Valley and the GTA. And we finally secure our deal. We thought, yes, you know, we're geniuses. We cracked the code. We did it. Second mortgage walk. So now $50,000 we have to come up with. No money for renovations because we had to close. Yep. And we closed just before the Canada Day long weekend. So we closed in June, just before the Canada Day long weekend. I went to visit Ottawa and to see this new property of ours for the long weekend. And back in those days, we didn't really have cell phones. We had pagers for the tenants. So I got off the train and I had a message on the pager. And now this deal that was supposed to require minimal effort because we can delegate and minimal money because you can, you know, zero down and all this other fun jazz, has a tenant whose unit is flooded. She's threatening to call the city and anybody else who will listen if we don't show up and fix this problem for her right now. Um, We have no money at all. We are in the negative. And when we get to our property to see what has happened, we have units that are damaged beyond what we had thought initially was the case. The one thing, the one thing that we said is because we bought the properties, we were buying property site unseen. Genius. So when we're buying property site unseen, I was dependent, you know, on others to send me the information, including the inspectors, right? And they sent pictures and videos and all of that. So when we went to the property, after we closed on the property, that was the first time we actually physically see the property for real with our own eyes, right? And what we learned quickly is pictures 
are deceiving because some of the pictures that we got was angled in such a way that certain things... Like mold? Yes. We're not. Holes. There. Missing drywall. <laughs> that That's the fun part. It's like, wow, this, this is great. So much fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We have holes in the walls and two feet of water in the basement and mold and no money. But I am a firm believer that these situations could end in two ways. One, you give up and that's a failure. Yeah. Two, says, wow, that's amazing. Okay. We have a challenge on our hand. What can we do to make it better? And that is really what we've done. And that's what led us to the second property. Just wait. You got to get the full details. What we didn't know at the time and what we learned through trial and error is that the courses that we were taking in the very early 2000s were all based on U.S. theory and concepts and success, right? Because the people who at the time were teaching were all Americans and they were just coming into the Canadian market. So they were teaching concepts that were fantastic and in the U.S. still to this day work magic. Yep. But those concepts could not be translated verbatim to directly yep. into our market here in Ontario, right? Like we haven't gone outside of Ontario in terms of a Canadian market, so I can't speak for other provinces, but in Ontario, what we were taught did not translate one for one. One of their concepts was, you know, you can get a property under contract and then you sell that same contract to somebody else for a higher price, but you know, you close and the new owner close on the same day. It's a double close. Yeah. They call it a double closing so that you don't ever have to have a mortgage or a down payment because the other person will end up funding the real transaction and then you will take the difference. But you can't do that here. So we did take courses. We took some courses to give us a general idea. We thought we knew a lot and we really didn't. And then we had to very quickly learn how and what had to get done. Um, and I think that's where then he came in and started really going into learning about the financing rules, the mortgaging rules. I sat down and I actually got familiar with, you know, the Residential Tenancies Act, which literally tells you exactly what you're allowed and not allowed to do as a landlord in Ontario, right? Like it's not just do what you want because you own the property. No, there are big, big rules. So at that point, when we realized the gaps that we had in our knowledge and that we only had enough knowledge to really be dangerous and create very dangerous money pit situations for ourselves, then we sat and we actually looked at, okay, what on earth do I need to do properly? And where are the problems that we're having? We're having problems with securing financing and finding money. So let's figure out why. And how do we do that? Tenants are insane. So how do we control and manage them? Because they keep telling me I'm not allowed to do the things I keep telling them I'm going to do. Um, and then as we became more and more educated and as we kind of got into this a little bit more, we knew that there were other people who were doing this. So then we started you know, networking with other investors and learning from other investors. We, and create, we created our own processes. Like it's, well, yeah. it's um, definitely is as you learn, I'm a firm believer. It says, okay, you learn once, but don't do it. Don't do the mistake twice. So if you don't want to do it twice and 
I want to delegate because that was one of the concepts is, is, okay, if I don't want to be doing this every day, I want to create a business, then I need to remove myself. So the one thing that pushed us to do this is, from my perspective, is automation, processes, workflows. So anything that I take and just gets plugged in, and this is how we started creating processes to make sure that we're always improving and avoiding problems. And if a problem comes in, we're able to mitigate that problem. Um, we almost went bankrupt. Because, mm -hmm. you know, we bought this horrible property that we hadn't seen and it needed all this money that we didn't have. And our tenants were overly eager to get new bathrooms and kitchens. So they would get them for themselves every time we went to Home Depot. They helped themselves. So. Yeah. The bin well, was they, there. They, they saw people that are willing to help. So that that's the other kind of things. When you're buying a distressed property, what we've learned very quickly is you got two kinds of tenants in there. Either one that would run away knowing that you're coming and there's new sheriff in town. Or the other ones are really very happy to see somebody finally want to take care of the property and they will help you. So yes, from our perspective, the tenant was removing things, but from their perspective, I, I really think is they were happy. It's like, oh my God, finally somebody's trying to fix the property. I know you look at it, but look, to me is the number still made sense. We went to Home Depot to buy a, an acrylic tub surround and some drywall so that we could fix the drywall and replace the acrylic tub surround. We came back from Home Depot. Now, it did take a little bit longer because I had never been inside of a Home Depot at that point. So I had no idea what I was doing. And he you was also were. very new to Home Depot. So we were very excited by all these cool things that were in this store that we'd never been in. We got back and we came back to a bathroom that was nothing but subfloors and studs. Everything, including the drywall and the flooring, had been removed and placed in the bin that the insurance company had put there to deal with the flooding in the basement that we had just had the day before. So I know you think it's very fun. Oh, but wait, coming back... with a nice bathroom, right? But did we have a choice? We did not, but it, it was overdue. We know that. But like, it was $5,000 we didn't have that we were now forced to spend. I understand. It was not well, we fun. we got done. We did. We figured it out. It's horrible. So now you guys know a little bit about how our journey started. And we appreciate you sitting here and listening to us talk about who we are and where we're from. But you need to come back because our next episode is going to be all about how we went from the insanity that we just talked about and turned it into what we have today. That's the most exciting part. Oh, I agree. The next five years of like near bankruptcy to like high five, we're out and we're alive and we're thriving. Um, this is what you're going to want to hear. So come back, tune in again. We've got a lot of fun and exciting stories to share and we've got a lot of fun and exciting information to share.